It's like a cauldron of humanity in the center of which is this poetry that lives and breathes and happens in communion. And that's our mission. It's the communion of actor and audience through poetry. Hello and welcome to The State of Shakespeare. I'm Garrett Vandermeer. And I'm Jim Elliott. Our guest today is Jeff Watkins. Jeff Watkins is the artistic director of the Atlanta Shakespeare Company, the New American Shakespeare Tavern, and is the current president of the Shakespeare Theater Association. Hello, Jeff Watkins. Hello. Well, thanks for joining us today. You bet. It's my pleasure. How are things down in Atlanta, Georgia this time of year? Well, actually, it's kind of cold. Oh, yeah. Well, you Southerners have more discontent than you have winter, if you ask me. Oh, that is true. <laughs> oh, Garrett. <laughs> Jeff, we've got a lot of questions for you, so let's begin. First of all... The Atlanta Shakespeare Company is a theater company that's dedicated to performing original practice productions of Shakespeare plays. What is original practice? Well, it's actually a movement in the modern production of Shakespeare plays. There's a lot of us out there. Another notable practitioner would be Ralph Cohen and Shakespeare Center. And then there's a number of practitioners in the educational realm as well. The mothership, of course, would be the Globe in London with Dominic Dromgoole at the helm. But we all agree that original practice assumes that the actors and directors have a passionate desire to understand the words of the text close to the way they were originally understood as possible by the people who spoke them and the people who heard them, and to produce the plays with an abiding respect for Shakespeare's own stagecraft. Some of us are really wild about the text. We spend our time working from the folio. We're into the, the weird spellings, the strange syntax. We fret over the difference between a colon and a semicolon. Others are interested in the production reality. One thing that we don't do as original practitioners is we do not indulge in creating a visual metaphor in counterpoint to or duologue with Shakespeare's text. And the modern approach here the last 40 or 50 years or so has really gone down that road where we're using the technology of the modern theater to create visual pictures or juxtapositions or transplanting the play from one place to another. Poetry, by definition, is a distillation from life. So by definition, it is complete. I question the wisdom of gilding the lily or adding a different layer, an expensive layer, I might add, <laughs> that doesn't really help the bottom line and is often not useful for the future. You actually performed with your company in the Globe. We were very fortunate, actually, the first American company to perform in that space. That's fantastic. So you were there in 1995, two years before the official opening of London's Globe. And in 1999, you oversaw a $2.1 million capital campaign to purchase, renovate, and expand your own performance facility in Atlanta. Can you tell me about the new American Shakespeare Tavern? We started out in 1984. I came to Atlanta. I had what I could fit into my Volkswagen. There was a Shakespeare Association, and I directed a play for them. Then the people who ran that kind of disappeared and actually I came back to direct the play. They said, well, actually, we're going to New York. And I said, well, what about the company? And they said, well, what about it? And I said, well, can I have it? And it really wasn't a company. It was just a rack of costumes. And they said, yes, if I paid the company's debt, which was $2,000. So you know, in my mind, I thought, hey, that's a really good deal. It took a lot longer to get $2,000 ahead than I would have thought. But I produced a play, and we did it in the back room of another theater company, and that was all well and good. But not a lot of people heard about it, and not a lot of 
people came. It was just just one more of a number of fledgling theater companies. And we used to go to this place called Manuel's Tavern to drink. And that was a raucous place that had all the actors in town, policemen and reporters. That's who was there. I said, we should be doing Shakespeare here because this is a better atmosphere and this is where the people are. And everybody thought that was a funny joke. So I kept using it that week. And a lady overheard me. She said, hey, Jeff, what a great idea. I'd like you guys to be the entertainment at, at a political fundraiser for Manuel Maluth. And that was the guy who owned the bar. And this lady thought that Shakespeare would be the ideal thing. So I said, sure. And I talked my actors into it because, again, we, we all drank there. Actually, the actors still drink at Manuel's Tavern here you know, 30 years later. <laughs> and it's policemen and it's, you know, it's an odd, odd kind of a bar. And it's, it's kind of a rough bar. But they had this back room and we did this production of As You Like It. I mean, by any standard, it would be like a community theater production of that play. But the audience went nuts. CNN calls me. They were just getting started at the time. It was like the second year of CNN. The guy says, we'd like to send a crew down there to cover this. And I said, oh, well, actually, we closed last night, but it was great. Let me tell you about it. And they said, well, we only cover live events. You're not going to come down there. Let me know if, if you do it again. And so I hung up the phone. And I thought, wow, man, CNN called me on the telephone. Then the phone rings literally within the hour, and it's entertainment tonight. And we'd like to send a crew down to cover it. And I said, well, you know, it closed last night. Well, let me tell you about it. They go, well, we only cover current events. We're not going to do it. Let me know if you do it again. And then uh, about an hour and a half after that, the phone rang the third time, and it was indeed CBS News. And the guy said, you know, I hear you're doing Shakespeare down at Manuel's Tavern. And I said, uh, yeah, he actually closed last night, but we're doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> And so then I scrambled like crazy. I talked to everybody. I got the, got the company on board and went back over there. And ultimately, it was covered by CNN, CBS. It made the New York Times Travel Magazine and the National Restaurant Association Trade Journal. And he let me come back the next year. And actually, over five years, I would do one comedy a year there. I could only do comedies because the ceiling height from the stage to the suspended ceiling was about seven and a half feet. You couldn't talk to God. You couldn't draw a sword. But... I had postcards from the people who came the first time, but literally I would send out a postcard and I would put it on my answering machine and I would sell every available ticket. Now we sat 112 and believe me, you couldn't get 114 in that room. It was 112 people. Really. And I just put it on the answering machine and sold them all. Don't tell me about marketing. But over that course of three to four years, I actually did develop about two and a half, three thousand 3,000 people that would come see a play whenever I did it. And that's why I'm still here, because, you know, you can work a long time before that happens. I mean, that was the kernel and the defining experience. But as I do say... I didn't know anything at all about original practice at that time. I did, however, encounter a Renaissance scholar, a woman who was teaching Renaissance theater and Shakespeare at Oxford College of Emory University, and she thought she had stumbled upon this amazing thing because she always knew what it must have been like in Shakespeare's theater, but the modern approach had not shown her any of that. So she started to educate me as the Elizabethan performance reality. I mean, I'm here to tell you, you know, these were normal people in a neighborhood bar. When I got here, there was no Shakespeare. There are two Shakespeare companies. We both started at the same time, but the other one waited two years to produce. I produced in six weeks because that's my nature. I'm starting tomorrow. <laughs> we made it happen. And then that audience in that room really taught us the give and take of how to create Shakespeare in communion with an audience. You know, we have to use language because uh, obviously we have to use language, but I'm saying what we've discovered through training our actors and working with young people is that with complex language, it's imperative that the audience have access to your eyes and your face. 
So what I will tell my high school students when we're working with the young people is I say it's really simpler than you would imagine. You really only need to look at the audience when you're speaking when you want them to understand what you're saying. (laughs) You have to talk in the vocabulary of the mainstream approach, so to speak. It's an extraordinarily simple thing. But in the modern theater, in particular, with the light designer, not through an intention, I believe, but, but just through the development of modern technology, forgot to provide light for the audience and just concentrated on this palette on the stage that left the audience sitting in the dark. Now, in a room, when it goes dark, it's like when you see a movie, an individual will fall back into a one-to-one relationship with what's on the screen. But in an Elizabethan theater, be it outdoors or my theater, if you can keep the room lit, it remains communal. And everyone remains in the room. So not only are you watching what's happening on stage, but you're watching people watching what's happening on the stage. And in a perfect world, it is a polygonal room. And you can see people directly across from you. It's like a cauldron of humanity, in the center of which is this poetry that lives and breathes and happens in communion. And that's our mission. It's the communion of actor and audience through poetry. What happened for me was I did do my first history production was Henry IV, Part One. And I had done so many comedies in that room, and I finally had a theater that I could work in that had a roof on it. You know, I mean, it had some, some ceiling height, and so I was doing some tragedies, and I just I knew that there was something in these histories that nobody was seeing. Franklin Hildy happened to see that, and Franklin was a professor, at, I want to say Baltimore University, but he and Sam Wanamaker were extremely good friends. Anyway, he recognized something in us when we did the Henry Ford play because I was trying to learn from the play more than I was trying to express any point of view. And and that has been kind of my modus operandi even to this day. Having done them all, of course, I've at least got a first draft going. But given what I've learned about Elizabethan stagecraft to tell me how it's played... And then I, I've developed an ensemble of actors in, that certainly on the North American continent have done more Shakespeare than any group of 14 people, actually in terms of numbers of titles and how much Shakespeare, more than any group, just end, end of story, unless you're going to go all the way back. And then at about that time, we actually got a grant, and I managed to study with Tina Packer and Dennis Krosnick at Shakespeare and Company, and they have an extraordinarily rich and deep understanding of Shakespeare's culture, and then they use that to generate a very clear emotional connection to the text and that was like it was just like pouring water into a sponge for me and that grant allowed me to send nine of my actors up there over a period of four years in fact i'm sending one there this next january we continue to do that and they have an extraordinary education program that we have modeled ours on and then our apprentice company is modeled after their intensive training as well. And it's been a marvelous and very productive relationship. So, Jeff, do you use the same company members from year to year? I do. And we have become what we are through an evolution. But when we started our apprentice company years ago, there were, you know, there were five or six of us that had worked together for six or seven years. The same six or seven are still here. You know, I have one employee who was a member of my first apprentice company. And most anybody who's under 40 at the Shakespeare Tavern was initially trained through that eight-month program. We are 22 full-time employees, of which 18 have a performance or directing or design component. The best possible thing, which is what has happened for us, is a great many of them are engaged in our education program. And education for us is at the center of the company. And what I mean by that is not just performing 
you know, the core curriculum matinees every year when I couldn't sell evening tickets. I have 300 kids coming in on a Tuesday and a Wednesday in the morning. No, I can't tell you what that does for us. And we do this with Atlanta public school systems, kids and Title I schools and and you know, schools with kids with special needs and all-girls schools and private schools and charter schools where you have children perform a full-length Shakespeare play. And there's not a point of view here. We want the kids to perform it using uh, what the text means to them personally, which is what we want for our professional productions. However, the professionals are extremely grounded in Elizabethan worldview and the cosmography, so that's very consistent with what it meant originally to the original actors. But you know, when a student wants to do something that's clearly not what Shakespeare intended, but that's what it means to them. We go with the kid and we let him do that. You know, we're a, a relatively small company. It's a $1.7 million budget a year, but a third of that is education work. From those matinee and from these performance residencies, that is creating our adult audience. When you're at the Shakespeare Tavern, is it the graying of the audience or is it something else? Of the adult main stage audience. 72% are under 55, and 20% are using a student ID to buy their ticket. Oh, that's just awesome. It is just awesome. There's no two ways about it. It took 22 years of doing education work and with an ever-increasing ever depth of it. The other thing is is the kids who are in our summer program, like the Shakespeare Summer Teen Intensive, or these performance residencies, they will go off to college, be drama majors, and then come back and then join our apprentice company and then become members of our professional company. And that has happened. So, Jeff Watkins, on the occasion of what would be, I know you're a year-round theater, but on the occasion of what would be the beginning of your 15th season at the New American Shakespeare Tavern, now known as the Shakespeare Tavern Playhouse, correct? That's correct. Well, we'd like to congratulate you. Thank you for spending the time to speak with us today. I do want to say, I don't know where you get 15th season. We opened here in 89, so we're talking 25, is it? Garrett's very bad at math. <laughs> I was thinking of October of 1999 when you opened the doors to the... Oh, well, there you go, but, but we actually functioned in the room for 10 years before that. <laughs> Uh, so 25th. We added the balcony and we put in a real kitchen. And actually, I'll tell you what really helped. Nice bathrooms. Yeah, that does help. For a decade, we struggled with diversity. The whole idea was how do you get people who aren't just white people to come see Shakespeare? And here's the trick. You have to build a building that will impress a guy's date. Because, it, you know, it's just a, a very small subsection of nerds that would just go to the hole in the wall to see anything in iambic pentameter. But anyway, <laughs> I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you guys. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun for us. Jeff Watkins is the artistic director of the Atlanta Shakespeare Company and the artistic director of the Shakespeare Tavern Playhouse. I'm Garrett Vandermeer. And I'm Jim Elliott. And thanks for listening to The State of Shakespeare. Thanks for joining us for the State of Shakespeare podcast. We invite you to visit stateofshakespeare.com for more episodes, information about each of our guests, and the Shakespeare text you heard on the program, and much more. And we welcome you to join the discussion by liking us on Facebook. That's www.stateofshakespeare.com. Thanks for listening.